Hey everybody, and welcome to Time Extend. Uh, we're back here with another new episode. My name is Adam Ismail, and as I always am, today I am joined with... Brendan Norrison, and today we won't be recapping the latest news in the industry, but continuing our discussion on the best and worst Ridge Racer games. Yeah, so this was definitely a long time coming, and uh, we wanted to get this episode out sooner than we could, but... um. Yeah, it took some time, but we're glad we were able to finish it out because it was a lot of fun doing uh, the first half of this list, and the second half is definitely more of a positive discussion because we've already dealt with the games that we weren't too, you know, happy with in terms of the Ridge Racer history, and now we get to concentrate on our favorites. Wait, (laughs) I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, me too, because I've been thinking of, like, thoughts and memories and stuff um you know things to say about these games in the last couple of weeks that we haven't had this show and the the timing's also good because this is going to be you know our last show of the year uh, just a couple days before the new year so it's not really much of a holiday episode it's not a new year's or christmas episode or whatever um but just uh i guess you know as you're celebrating the holidays with your loved ones in this past week think about all the fun times that you have with bridge racer Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, especially because uh, there haven't been many new memories for a couple years now, but that's another subject entirely. So, yeah, we'll just uh, pick up where we left off, and uh, I guess, you know what, before we get into what's up next, we should just recap what was on the list before. So, um, starting the list from worst to best, uh, we were at Ridge Racer 6 was at the bottom of the list, then Ridge Racer DS, those who actually tied, then 64... Vita, uh, the original Ridge Racer, Ridge Racer 3D, and we stopped at Ridge Racer 7, which was number 6 on our list. So this will take us from 5 through 1, and uh, there's a tie in this list that we'll get into in the second uh, of the games that are remaining. But yeah, we haven't talked too much about you know the original PlayStation games and, and whatnot, so you can figure that those are definitely going to rank pretty highly uh, between the, the two of us. So... Yeah, so just to kick off then, um, number five on our list is Ridge Racers. Now, Ridge Racers being the the PSP game uh, that came out in 2004 that was a launch title for a system. Now, as it turns out, uh, number four ended up being Ridge Racers 2, which was a sequel to that game. And they're so similar that we may as well just talk about them together. Yeah, I agree with that. I think... um... Both of these games were great portable racers, and they are so similar, though, that we would maybe be retreading a bit of common ground by discussing them separate. Yeah, and these games really, you know, when I look back on Ridge Racers, uh, and it was called Ridge Racer in in the West, but in Japan it was uh, the pluralized version of that. Um, When I look back on these games, uh, I just think that they really reinvented the franchise, for better or worse. You know, this was... Uh, the first Ridge Racer was where we got the Nitrous system for the first time. It, it defined the handling and the new physics of the franchise that would take it all the way from, you know, all the way back in 2004 when this game came out to the most recent releases, which were Ridge Racer 3D and Vita. Those games handle very similarly to uh, the, the PSP titles, and there hasn't really been a big shift in the gameplay uh, or in the organization of the Ridge Racer series basically since these games came out on the PSP. So they really defined the path forward for a franchise. Maybe you like that, maybe you hate it. Uh, I'm sure we have differing, you know, opinions on that. Uh, But you have to credit these games with that. You know, they definitely 
kind of laid out the template, if you will, for the future of Ridge Racer. Yeah, I think that's by law. Even um, critic reviews at the time kind of specified that, that this was a whole new direction for the franchise and gave it a new identity that some might find cold or some enjoyed. Um, yeah, I think um, these games really did change the image of Ridge Racer and as a long-term fan, a long-time fan yourself, Adam, was that a positive or a negative to you for someone who loves Type Four so much? Yeah, I feel like I think my feelings generally are what I, I tend to see echoed online, which is that in 2005, when I got my PSP and and I started playing this game, um, I was very excited because it is. I think you call the Ridge Racer Seven last episode a quote-unquote sexy experience, and I think the same could be said. <laughs> I think the same could be said about this game. Like, yeah, all of the from just the the gameplay being at like sixty frames per second to the graphics, we had never seen anything like this on a handheld before. I mean, that goes without saying. Like, this was to try and put yourself back in the mindset of like two thousand five. You know, a year or two ago, you were playing Game Boy Advance games that were basically SNES titles, and now you've got, you know, you completely skip the whole, like, just PS1 era, like, N64, like, rudimentary 3D thing, and go straight to a PSP, which is, like, somewhere between the Dreamcast and the PS2 in terms of, like, power and graphical quality, and, like, it it looked and moved like nothing else. It really did feel like the future. And so when you when you take this game and you wrap it up in that context, uh, it's very impressive. And I remember as soon as I got my PSP, I was just glued to this thing for weeks and weeks turned into months. And yeah, and it was also very fan servicey in terms of like all of the content from previous Ridge Racers were in this. Not all the content, but a lot of. Um, in the first one, it was most of the tracks from the PlayStation 1 run of the franchise, and then Ridge yep. Racers 2, it was all of them. So you got every single track from every single PS1 Ridge Racer game, which was pretty special to have just, you know, in a system that could fit in your pocket. It was pretty much Ridge Racer Mega Mix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just and, putting all they could. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it definitely changed some things, and we, we got to see new car designs, and the handling was different, but... Uh, all told, yeah, it was like kind of re-exploring where the series had been uh, wrapped up in this experience that was polished and new and physically felt different, but you were still visiting the same tracks and had a lot of the same old songs too, which was a nice touch. Yeah, I think um, I agree with you pretty much on all those points. For one of these games, I think I can say that wholeheartedly. Um, or two, sorry. The PSP needed the perfect tech demo to sell itself to me, and the first race you do in Ridge Racers, and subsequently Ridge Racers 2, it makes you realise just how powerful and ahead of its time that console was, because it absolutely kicked the DS's ass on that front. <laughs> like, there was absolutely no comparison between the, the visual power or audio quality between the consoles, and it made these games a very great visceral experience and helped enforce that... Um, era of Ridge Racer, it was all about the music and it actually took itself in a direction that was more influenced by kind of modern drum and bass and house and um, I mean that was probably a good step forward for the franchise because we've talked before about how it kind of jumps from nice smooth jazz to 
the Gabber stuff that you absolutely despise. <laughs> and there's there's always been a big grey area here, but I feel as if on the whole, the soundtrack and the actual experience on the track was very, very well glued together, and it made that a great smooth experience. Which I think this is why these two games managed to place in the top kind of the top tier of Ridge Racer games. Yeah, and it's it's so polished that can't be said enough. And you know, just to hammer that point home, remember that. Uh, one of the games that, that tied for last on our list, Ridge Racer DS, was the DS counterpart to this game. So within a month of each other, you know, because the DS and the PSB came out pretty close to each other, you have one of the worst Ridge Racer games ever made <laughs> and one of the best Ridge Racer games ever made. And the difference was night and day. Um you know, especially I think anyone who had a PSP at launch, you had to choose between Wipeout Pure and Ridge Racer. And those were yes. two those were two phenomenal games that both, you know, in a very strange way actually both charted out the course for their franchises for the rest of the time that they'd be around. You know, Wipeout did the exact same thing with Pure. That's actually a really good point. I never thought about that before. Um they really did. Those two series really did kind of base their future entries on the PSP games for a long time. Wipe out till it's death, of course. Um, but I think um, it's actually interesting making that comparison with Ridge Racer DS because it really highlighted to me just how incredibly great the PSP looked by comparison to the original DS. Like I don't think... At the time, there were many people that tipped Nintendo to tip it back in their favour. It just goes to show how time changed for those consoles. But we ended up with two of the best Ridge Racer titles from three across both consoles. So you can say portably, it's probably turned out to be a decent generation for Ridge Racer games between the BSP and DS, despite the fact that the DS has got the shitty ones. Yeah, this was a time where Ridge Racer kind of went from being the PlayStation-only series to appearing on every new console, you know, because after this, Ridge Racer 6 would come out and it would be on the 360, and uh, yeah, so Ridge Racer was popping up in a lot of different places, and of course, some mobile games would follow later. Um, I think something that, you know, when I uh, think about, because it's been a a long time since I've played uh, Ridge Racer on the PSP, something that always kind of uh, sticks out to me is that uh, if you're listening to this then and you were, you know, in the U.S. um, or North America, I'm going to assume Canada didn't get it as well, we did not get uh, the second Ridge Racer game on the PSP, which is really disappointing. Yeah, so... Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it's... It's really unfortunate because I remember, I think, you know, it was probably around like 2007 or 2008, uh, I found out that there was a sequel to this game uh, in Europe and Japan and, and other countries and overseas. And I was I felt so cheated because, you know, Ridge Racer 2 is not like, it is the same game essentially in terms of like the engine's the same and a lot of the car models are the same and most of the tracks are the same, but you do get a couple of those tracks that are not in uh, the original Ridge Racers PSP release such that the tracks are added, make it so that every single track from every single Ridge Racer game on the original PlayStation is there. And there are some tracks that weren't in, um, I can't remember specifics cause it's been a really long time since I played those games. But, you know, you get some Rage Racer and Ridge Racer Type 4 tracks. Uh, like, I'm, I'm going to say probably, like, Brightest Night uh, from Ridge Racer 4 and, and some of the tracks from Rage Racer that, like, didn't 
you know, weren't really a factor in the first PSP release are some of my favorites in the franchise. And you also get, uh, in that second PSP game, you get the original special cars. Um, you get the Angelus and the Crinale, which were in the first PSP game, but they had completely different designs and they weren't as cool. The ones in yeah. Ridge Racer 2 are actually the ones from, I believe, from Ridge Racer 5. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So... The, the- it's just they a more that complete weird... experience. Yeah, definitely. I think the original kind of special cars had that weird spaceshipy looking uh, like design that Namco would toy around with at times in the series. And I think um, the, the best looking cars in the game are generally the ones that look like real real life cars. So I would say anyway. I mean, in Ridge Racer Seven, the poster boy is essentially a GTR, which you can't really you can't really turn that down. Yeah, Namco always, when it came to their car design uh, with Ridge Racer, I think they really did, it's clear that they put a lot of effort, that was one of the few things that changed, even though after Ridge Racer 4 and Ridge Racer 5, the series kind of went in the direction I didn't appreciate anymore, the one thing that I think always stayed constant was the level of attention that their designers paid to the car models. They they yeah. always kept up with making it fresh, making it reflect what was out there in the real world, but not necessarily copying things, you know, like um, the Kamada RC410 that would appear in like Ridge Racer 7. That is very much a Nissan GTR, but it's just different enough uh, to the point where it's not a copycat, but it also looks really cool. And, you know, as we said in the last episode, world building is so important to Ridge Racer that it's it's really important that all of these makes and models and things are different. You know, that uh, an, an Aj car looks different than a Ganade Esperanza looks different from a Himmel or an Asoluto. Really gives you that sense that, you know, this isn't just a racing game where we, we got the, you know, Toyota license and you're driving around Toyota. It's like, no, this is a fully realized world that actually was the designer's you know, thought about uh, for a long yeah. time and tried to create this this motorsport uh, vision in you know based on uh, some sort of artistic background, and that's really exciting because it doesn't happen in racing games very often. No, it doesn't. Um, I, I always liked the car design so much as well. I always used to wish when I was younger if they would release like a Hot Wheels set or something like that, mm. but we never really got our wish there. But yeah, I, I totally agree. I think the car design is one of the most underrated elements of Ridge Racer that people maybe don't pay enough attention to after the originals and that's I mean you could say here in these PSP games that's where they really started their new design philosophy for that sleek modern almost futuristic look yeah and you know they took um for I think a Tokyo Auto Salon uh, in 2006 or around this time they took a Honda NSX uh, and they rebodied it uh, as a um God, but Soldat, Soldat Raggio, right? Soldat's the company that makes oh, that. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah. That's so, so cool. <laughs> yeah, and that was really cool, and they, they made it red instead of blue that appear, appears as uh, in the game, and uh, I think it's called the Yamasa Raggio. I don't I don't know if Yamasa is a company that made it or what, but, um, you know, that was pretty cool, and, and it's that kind of thing where it's transcending. To see a car like that in the real world has to be has to be a treat. Especially based on the Honda NSX, which is a, a pretty cool car in its own right. Yeah, I'm just looking at photos of it now. That is very surreal looking when you've yeah. only ever seen it digitally, because this is all new to me. I've never actually seen this before, so that's a really nice bit of trivia. The Yamasa Raggio actually appears in Ridge Racers 2. 
which is a nice little uh, I mean it's you know it's the same car as the as the one that's in the game but it's red yeah so. um, that's cool man I like that yeah it's a nice little wrinkle and uh, a couple more things about these games real quick I really appreciate that they kind of had a gallery where you could watch the intros to the old games and um, you know kind of look at uh, concept art and stuff that was really interesting I never knew because you know we have to go back this is 2005 I'm 12 years old and I think I have played at this time, you know, being 12, if you ask me, you know, have you played every Ridge Racer game, I would have told you yes, because I did not know uh, anything about Rave Racer uh, at the time. Yeah. I didn't know Rave Racer existed. I'm willing to bet a lot, a lot of kids um, probably in the West didn't know about that. So when I went into the gallery and I found out about this game called Rave Racer with its own intro, and I was, I was floored because, you know, Rave Racer never got a home release. Yeah, it was a totally different experience, really, to what came before it. And I was obviously, I've never actually played Brave Racer at all. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I had kind of fooled around with it on emulator for a little bit, but the emulation wasn't that great. Um, so when you when you get to drive like the Rave City downtown track, and then the tracks are in like the hills or whatever, um, yeah, those those were completely new experiences, and to me, they were brand new tracks, you know, because I never raced there before, and actually. In those environments, I think they took two tracks from the game and they created two new tracks that were not in the original Rave Racer. So some of those uh, courses in those environments in the PSP games are actually new. Yeah, I think um, adding those exclusive elements as well helped make it feel that more of a new experience because all these nods to the past are great, but you could also see this as the root of the problem that would then start to happen where... It would all like Ridge Racer would almost try and stick too much to its past, and although paying attention to that is great, it felt as if over time that's one of the reasons it became so stagnant because there was that lack of drive to push things forward, and it almost felt as if Ridge, Ridge Racer kind of got lost in this kind of generation of early 2005 to maybe 2008. As time went on and other racing games appeared, Ridge Racer just slowly started to fade away. Yeah, and I think, you know, we've been very positive about these games because we were Ridge Racer fans before this point, but I think we do have to recognize some of the reasons that, you know, these games are nice to revisit but aren't our favorites, and unfortunately it is kind of based on what you're saying, you know, they did introduce some new aspects to these games, but they're not things that I necessarily appreciate. Nitrous, I always felt like, was a very kind of half-hearted attempt to spice up things, but it it didn't really make the racing any more interesting or any more fun. Um, I didn't get much out of it. I think um, adding the Nitro system seemed like a great idea at the time, but um, it, it just kind of takes away that dynamic element from the racing because you're always saving up your boosts to use in one big burst most of the time because that's when it's most effective unless you choose a different Nitrous type. And... Um, yeah, it kind of made the races a bit different, but it also kind of made them feel cheap as well. I've never been a fan of Nitro systems in games in general because I always feel as if the, the core gameplay loop suffers because they want to force you to use that Nitrous to make overtakes, almost like a, a real-life DRS, you would say, like Formula 1. Um, but Ridge Racer was never really about that. It was about good, clean uh, drift racing, do you know, that way. So the Nitrous kind of detracted from that, I felt, but... It was still an okay addition, I guess, and um, just in general, I, I think um, 
if you look at the racing from the original four games, it's a lot more exciting than what would come after it, in my opinion. Yeah, I think there's something to be said about what happens to the purity of the racing experience once you introduce those things. And it's interesting that you bring up the point about using Nitrous to pass, because I'm pretty sure anytime you do that in any Ridge Racer game from this point on, the CPU would also use your nitrous at the exact same time. So it actually doesn't help you <laughs> do anything. You know, it, it really is kind of a useless thing. At least you look at games like Burnout, and it's like, okay, Burnout very much changes the way that the the boost operates depending on the class of vehicle you're using, especially in like Burnout Paradise, and you can kind of lengthen um, the capacity of your boost meter and stuff like that, and it really forces you to play the game differently. Anytime that was tried in Ridge Racer, like not so much in the PSP ones, but in 6 and 7 especially, you get all those weird boost types where it's like you can only boost when you're doing this or you can only boost in one shot. It just never made the game any more fun. You know, it was just kind of like from a strategic standpoint, it was like, okay, this is one more thing I have to think about, but I'm not necessarily enjoying the racing anymore. And I think that's I think that's where it all kind of falls down is they added it to the game because they thought faster was, you know, better or preferable or more exciting, but never really stopped and thought, you know, what does this really do for the racing experience? Yeah, it was just a, an easy win for the marketing department, probably. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it looks good in action. That, like, obviously, you get the blurring effects and the cars going really fast. But in terms of the, the purity of the gameplay loop you mentioned, that it definitely deteriorated that, I feel. Yeah. So, I mean, that those are pretty much the, the two PSP games. You know, they're great. I... I would like to revisit them one day, but you know it's kind of hard to for me to play the second one. Um, could do it with an emulator, but also the the nature of these games are that what you know was released on the PSP was an early version of what we would get in Ridge Racer Six and Seven, and we've already talked about you know how Seven was a very polished experience. So honestly, if I want to revisit this era of Ridge Racer, I, I would just go back and play Seven personally. Yep, and it also has the benefit of the big screen experience. Not Nothing against the PSP, but that will always be more preferable, so I would probably be the same Ridge Racer 7. It's pretty much still my go-to for a good race, Ridge Racer experience at the moment. Yeah. From that generation, I should say. Yeah, definitely. And looking back, you know, uh, something we tried to do last episode was talk about some memories with associated with these games. With this one, yeah, I, I think it was just me discovering that Rave Racer existed because without this game, I never would have known that, and that was that was really you know uh, amazing that like there was this whole Ridge Racer game I never knew about, and listening to some of the songs and stuff from it in the game that was pretty pretty phenomenal at the time. What do you remember about Ridge Racer? It was actually um, the incredible amount of tracks that were in the soundtrack. Like it just. Um, it blew me away as somebody who's always loved the music in the franchise and there were some nice remixes in there as well that were just as crazy as the originals so um yeah sometimes with remixes the, the person remixing it sometimes forgets about what the general tone of the, the music track was supposed to be about <laughs> yep. but uh, yeah exactly it happens way too often but like um there's a rotterdam nation <laughs> remix of in course, here that yeah. i'm sure you're a fan of and um it doesn't really try and make it a more tangible, listenable song. It just kind of cranks up to 12 and like, oh, we can make this more crazy if you want us to. <laughs> yeah, there are a couple of remixes of, 
of uh, I think Rare Hero over the years that have kind of done that too. It just always amps it up one more level. Actually, one more thing I just remembered is uh, Rally X was chosen as the game that you play in like the loading screen, the lead up to the game. And I always preferred that to like Galaga or Galaxian in the earlier Ridge Racer titles because I'm terrible at, at you know, shmups or, you know, classic like shooter style games. But I could wrap my head around Rally X. It took me a really long time to beat it so that I would get the secret Rally X car. But, uh, which is kind of cool once you unlock that because it literally is like a, the car from Rally X in all of its blocky pixelated glory, but in a 3D <laughs> world. Yeah. Um, that was really tough to unlock. But when I did, it felt very satisfying. That's definitely one of the things I remember as well. That Rally X mini game, because the the kind of the music loop is just permanently engraved in my brain now. <laughs> I'll yep. never forget it. <laughs> All right, so we spent a lot of time on those games, but honestly, th- those were two games in one, and uh, they're pretty important ones. So I think this next one will go by a little bit quicker. This one actually tied with Ridge Racers 2 uh, for number 4 on our list, and it is Ridge Racer Revolution. Um, so, we ranked Ridge Racer... Where, where did we rank Ridge Racer again? The original Ridge Racer came 8th on our list. And yeah. part of that was, the, the caveat to that was like, well, Revolution did a lot of the things that the first game did, but better. Uh, not so much better that it would be like among the all-time, but better enough that, like, if I was going to go back and experience the first uh, Ridge Racer, I would go back and play Revolution instead, and uh, I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, because uh, you were talking about that last episode, but, yeah, Ridge Racer Revolution really is the first game, but with a slightly more polished handling model, obviously new tracks, and very small changes, and it came out a year after the original, and it actually doesn't have an arcade component, which is kind of weird. It was, uh, you know, purely a PS1 game. Yeah. But it changes just enough to be a little bit better. Yeah, definitely. I think um, Ridge Racer Revolution pretty much makes those slight adjustments over the first game to great effect. I love the fact that they, they kept that kind of poppy, bright visual style from the first game. And just made it even better by adding like more kind of beach-like tracks and having you raced alongside the coastlines and stuff. I, I think I feel as if every track in the game was exciting, and they, they still maintained that very basic style from the first game, but pretty much polished it in a way you would expect, similar to how like um, Ridge Racer six and seven preceded each other. Um, yeah, I feel as if Ridge Racer Revolution is probably one of my favourite Ridge Racer games in general because it takes that arcade spirit and wraps it in a, a more complete package. Yeah, what's pretty amazing is uh, for these for the next games on the list, I was able to do a decent amount of research uh, thanks to this this one forum uh, post I found on Resetera, or Reset Era, or I don't know really how you're supposed to pronounce that, um, but uh, somebody uploaded a bunch of scans of uh, magazine um, 
interviews and uh, previews and reviews of, of a lot of the early Ridge Racer games, and so I was I was pouring through uh, Edge's coverage of these early Ridge Racer games, which you know Edge was an indispensable resource at the time. And yep. it's funny how you know we think of Ridge Racer today, uh, and obviously we were very little when these games originally came out, but today, you know or not today, but when the PS3 came out, when the Vita came out and whatnot, you know, you'd read these reviews about Ridge Racer and it would always be like, uh, Ridge Racer again, you know. When when will they ever, like, try and do something new? It's always <laughs> the same old arcadey crap. And the yeah. funny thing is, I, I go back to this Edge article, this preview of Ridge Racer Revolution, and amazingly, it's the same tone, where it's like, Ridge Racer came out last year. This game is exactly the same. Where are they going to try something new? And I was pretty surprised uh, that Namco was already being criticized for sameness in 1995 because wow. <laughs> Ridge Racer was still <laughs> was still very new. Uh, was one of those groundbreaking early 3D racing games, and apparently, you know, people didn't really dig how similar this was to Ridge Racer, uh, the first one. And what's kind of funny about that is uh, in the preview I was reading, Namco apparently. They, they had the option of we could port Ridge Racer 2, which Ridge Racer 2 being the arcade sequel to the original Ridge Racer, but yeah. Ridge Racer 2 is really the first game with, like, day-night change. Like, it doesn't really do anything different. It's pretty much the exact first game, but add certain things like day-night change and the re- reverse course and other stuff like that, so... They decided, like, okay, we should try and do something new, come up with a new track, add new features. Like, you could do uh, two-player link play in Ridge Racer Revolution, which you couldn't do in the first game. But even then, even after adding some of those things, people still harped on it for being too much like the original. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, I mean, it's pretty much a point five of a sequel, if we're going to be honest. It would have been expansion today. You would expect to find for, like, $10 or something in terms of what it adds to the game. But... One of my uh, favourite additions was one of the secret modes. Now, did you ever unlock any of these, Adam, when you were playing the game? I think I unlocked a couple, but but you tell me yours first. So, one of the modes, which is known as either pre- uh, Pretty Racer or Buggy Mode, would um, create versions of the cars that had tiny bodies with yes. massive wheels. Yep. And as a kid, I loved this so much. It was just so stupid and... I mean, I didn't know this, but that mode somehow inspired, like, a full game called Buggy Racer. Sorry, Pocket Racer. Oh, wow. It was basically uh, a Japanese-only version of Ridge Racer that featured uh, Choro Q models. Hmm. I yeah. never knew about uh, that game. I knew about I knew about that mode, and that mode actually is something you can trigger when you're playing Galaga uh, by entering a cheat code. And the reason I did that wasn't so much to, to play as those weird buggy cars, but it's because it was a very easy way to unlock all the cars in the game uh, when yeah, you put that code in. So, so yeah, I did that. And I actually, I hated the way the buggies looked when I was a kid because I wanted the actual cars. I, you know, I, wanted, I wanted to play all the content. Um, I, I didn't yeah. want this goofy cartoon stuff. But it was very interesting. I think there was also like a drift competition mode tied into that as yeah. well. Yeah, that was the other one. Yeah, yeah, that existed too. But yeah, I, I didn't know about this um, Pocket Racer arcade game that was only released in Japan until I'd done some research. And mm. it's it's pretty interesting because it says it's explicitly aimed towards children, as if like Ridge Racer was like, this super mature game in too the first complicated. place. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Here's something yeah. I never knew that shocked me because uh, I 
neither me nor any of my friends uh, when I was young ever tried to link two PlayStations up to play uh, a game competitively, but this was a time where you didn't have a lot of split screen because developers were still trying to figure out how to use a console and they couldn't really get that much power out of it. So you could play Ridge Racer Revolution in, in a competitive mo- mode, but you had to link the systems together with a cable. And I did not know that apparently if you do that, you unlock 765 for competitive play. Oh, wow. I didn't know that either. Yeah, so so Ridge Racer Revolution actually on the disc has, uh, you know, the track from the original game, but you can only access it if you're playing in link mode, which is something I never knew until today. <sighs> Why did game developers do this to us? <laughs> I mean, yeah. 765 just deserves to be in this game, especially since it adds so little anyway. Why would you remove that content and lock it away? <laughs> right. Yeah, so I went back and played a lot of Revolution, actually. Right after our last episode, um, I played through the game and for the first time in a very long time. And, you know, it gets it gets very difficult at the end, especially when you're trying to defend against those special cars. Um because they do that thing that you were saying where they kind of stop in front of you and then, and then they let you catch up and then you pass them and they try and beat you again. And you you have to both beat, you know, the other uh, driver that is in a similar vehicle to you and you also have to beat the special car you're against purely by blocking. Um, the, the rear view mirror actually is integral to winning these races because you need to make sure that the special car, when it's coming behind you and it is coming in very fast, you want it to hit you, uh, so that pushes you forward and slows that car down. And um, <laughs> the first game did not have a rear-view camera, so it's it's much easier to do this in Ridge Racer Revolution. But, yeah, it's, you know, there's not a lot of content there, but it does get very difficult. And the handling is still kind of really not something I enjoy, but it's m- slightly more playable than the original Ridge Racer. Um, you carry a little bit more speed when you're power sliding, uh, that said, it can still sometimes get you in the situations where you unexpectedly catch catch grip again, and you know now you're just essentially rocketing in the direction that your car was pointed in when it decided that want to hold the road. Um, that's very annoying, uh, which is why when I played it, I played it on an emulator, so I was able to just constantly save state because otherwise there's, <laughs> there's no way I would have been able to get through it. Um, but yeah. That's that's Ridge Racer Revolution for me, anyway. Yes, I think uh, we've summed it up. You could probably get away with just playing Revolution if you've never played the original, but because you're going to miss out on 765, I mean, that that is worth playing the original for alone, but I do think Revolution does iterate in a nice fashion that would set up the, the incredible games to come, which I'm sure we're about to discuss after we have our talk about what memory we associate with Revolution. You know, Ridge Racer Revolution might have been the first one I actually played. You know, I can't remember because I was so little. One thing in particular was that in the American version, the cover car was the Angelus, uh, which was a car that, uh, which I think was just called the White Angel in the game. It's a car I was never able to get. So, you know, it was one of those moments where, <laughs> as a kid, you know, where you're looking at the at the packaging, you're just like, I want to drive this, but I can't. And the funny thing is, you know, I get my opportunity to drive it all these years later, you know, a couple weeks ago when I'm playing the game and I beat it with yeah. a lot of assistance from the emulator, obviously. And um, I'm driving it. I'm like, this is terrible because it has so much grip. Picture playing GT Sport and you're, you know, you go from driving a Mini Cooper to an X2014. 
just just make that tr- like you have to yeah. completely yeah. relearn how to drive that car has way more grip than you can even comprehend you know your reflexes can't even catch up to how much grip this car has it's not fun yeah it's not it's one of the most uh, disappointing um, unlockables in the entire series argument because <laughs> there's there's just no enjoyment from driving the cards despite the fact that it absolutely destroys the tarmac as it drives, basically, with the amount of grip it's got. <laughs> it's really hard to explain. Like, I'm trying to explain it, you know, for those... I assume a lot of people listening have driven the car. Um, but if you haven't, it's just... just It is an unfathomable amount of grip. Because, yeah, you, you know, as you drive in real life, or you play a game, or you play anything, whether regardless of whether or not it's realistic, it's, I mean, you have to break in freaking Mario Kart. Like, and with this car, you don't have to do any of that. Like, it, it completely gets rid of all of the things that, you know, you think about when you're driving a car, the the loss of grip, the need to break, the need to manage the throttle, the need to do all these things are gone, but you have endless speed. Yeah. I guess it's just trying to harness that, like, ridiculous, unlockable t- nature that was in a lot of arcade games at the time, but it, it feels like a shitty version of like, the Stratos and Sega Rally. Like, the Stratos and Sega Rally, for example, still requires a good bit of skill to get the most out of, but there's no doubt it's a, like it's much better than the other two cars. Mm-hmm. But with here, it just kind of it trivializes the rest of the game to an extent that it isn't even fun to win in. That's to be had to describe it. Yeah, it's, it's game-breaking. I mean, the Stratos and Sega Rally is the type of thing where it's definitely faster than the other two cars. It definitely takes a little bit of skill to drive, a little more skill to drive well because it's a lot more prone to power sliding. But it still fits the basic physics model. It, you know, it still fits a realistic interpretation of driving a car, yeah. whereas this does not at all. This is just like, this is basically some kind of like, you know, alien spacecraft or something like that that just happens to be on the road and just does not obey the laws of physics. So it's not something I, I, mean, I was ever able to wrap my head around. It probably fits the lore of the series that the Angelus and the, the Crenali are just ridiculous cars, but... Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm not a fan. I agree with you. I'm not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> so is that your memory then? Just like yeah, that's my long finally driving that car. <laughs> my long winded way to yeah, my memory about just being terrible at these games. These are games. <laughs> um, my well, my kind of most remembered thing about Richard Racer Revolution was that it was one of the games I got from um um. I think just about everybody maybe had a, a father who had a dodgy friend that provided them with pirated games for the Ooh, PlayStation. I always maybe wanted one of those. <laughs> You're lucky. They yeah, asked for it from Santa one time and then he popped up with a, loads of badly printed CD cases. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is one of the first games that I got and he also... Um, he also had a game shark or something, so like whenever there was a game, I would also get like I had a specific memory card for just like broken save files, basically mm. that just had the game blown wide open. So like right out of the bat, once I realised how difficult the game was, I was like, you know what? I just want to drive everything, and yeah, that was that. And uh, basically, that's what I always remember: just having access to all the content the game had from the start, and realising that even though it was so similar to. Um, the other game, uh, sorry, to Ridge Racer, it was still worthwhile to play, and yeah, I really enjoyed this game overall, and maybe I enjoyed it more because I didn't have the stress of trying to unlock everything. Yeah, yeah, when I was really young, it was basically this, or uh, 
probably Daytona USA still on Saturn, so I'd go back and forth. And um, There weren't a lot of content in those games, but if you could just get one other car, you know, it completely changed everything. You were like, oh my god, <laughs> I don't have to drive the uh, FA Racing or... <laughs> You know, one of the Solvalu cars over and over again. So. Yeah, exactly. Now we get into the top three, and before we do, I just have to say that these next three games are, you know, easily, like, among my favorite games of all time. Uh, Number one is probably my favorite game of all time, but, you know, all of these are so important, like, personally speaking, to why I do this podcast, to why I have an interest in these games, to why I write about these games, um... And love talking about them, and they are—they're a big deal. So, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, it's just such a blockbuster list to end it on. And if you feel like we sound surprisingly negative for people who absolutely love this series, I'm pretty sure the next three will convince you why we love it so much. Because, oh man, I, these are three incredible games that we probably won't even be able to do justice, but we can try. Yeah, and it's funny, but the one I'm actually most excited to talk about is number three which is rage racer and the reason why the reason why i'm really excited to talk about rage racer is because i feel like it gets overlooked uh too often i feel like reading things about it you know as i said i was able to find these uh these old articles and things uh thanks people on the internet and reading about what critics saw at the time it seemed to be rather like, okay, you know, they switched up the scenery. This is kind of a different flavor for Ridge Racer, but still Ridge Racer. And then today you hear a lot of people, you know, what Ridge Racer fans are out there are all very much interested in R4 and trying to recapture R4, which I totally understand. But there is a beauty to Rage Racer that the series never, you know, R4 is is obviously incredibly gorgeous, but in a very different way. There is a, f- a feeling to, rid- to Rage Racer that the series never recaptured. It- it's kind of like the grungy 90s version of Ridge Racer that you didn't ask for, but when you got it, it was so incredibly different from the previous two games, but it was still Ridge Racer. It's just this, this kind of anomaly in the series, and I, I love the art design of it. I love the car design. I love everything about it. It was the first Ridge Racer where, like, I actually liked the soundtrack because, as unlike you, I was not very interested in the Gabber from previous games. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and this is really, you know, it's a, it's a standout game in the series. It's an anomaly, but it's also where a lot of things take shape. So that's, that's basically how I look back on Rage Racer. I feel like the reason I love Rage Racer so much is because I'm also a fan of realistic racers. Hmm. And you take the, the incredible arcade gameplay that Ridge Racer is known from, 
and put it in such a more grounded universe. And at the time, it just blew my mind. Like you've got adverts for like Yokohama tires yep. and stuff like that in the background. And I think in that generation alone, in the PlayStation, there was something really exciting about seeing real-world stuff in such a primitive 3D environment. And Rage Racer managed to combine that uh, atmosphere with an insane amount of visual design that doesn't get recognised enough because of R4. Like you've said, it's so easy to overlook this game, but it it isn't like Rage Racer preceded R4 and R4 honed the design. It just feels like a totally different game, and I think that's why Namco, giving it a different name, knew fine well that this was one they were going to be proud of and hopefully wished it would stand on its own feet, but it's kind of had the opposite effect where a lot of people might not even know it exists. I love the design of this game like the whole like kind of like the ruins of Europe you know the 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 setting for it is just again it's that thing that you didn't ask for but when you see it in motion it's it's just so beautiful like racing under the the Arc de Triomphe and, and you're driving by the Parthenon it's all these like random ass things that were grabbed from different parts of the <laughs> continent that they just threw into yeah. this world but it all works so well and it's so beautiful. I, I was reading this next gen story about how they thought that the graphics were technically pretty but kind of drab because it's all that like muted like grays and browns and whites palette. But honestly, I, I don't know. It just it fit for me. It's it's interesting because um, I don't know if a lot of people listening to the show will will get the reference, but you know Panzer Dragoon, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, when I think of uh, Rage Racer, I think of something like Panzer Dragoon, just that like kind of late '90s sort of like dithered um, sort of graphical style where you're trying to evoke something historic and rustic, and there was just a certain beauty to that that you never really got again. But but Rage Racer nailed it, uh, and on top of that, the track design is some of the best in the series honestly it does that ridge racer thing where you have the one core track and then you have a bunch of tracks branching off of it but yeah they're all specifically designed to to um benefit different kinds of cars so um you know mythical mythical coast is a core one then you have overpass city has a lot of hills which uh really benefits driving cars with very good acceleration or manual transmission cars um you have the uh, Lakeside Gate uh, is a very twisty course. has has l- less hills, but definitely favors handling. Um, and then the final track, uh, which God, I can't remember the name of the final track, but it's an oval. And so there, you want to use the Asaluto cars because they have the the highest speed. It's the Extreme Oval, isn't it? Yes, Extreme. Yeah, how could I yep. forget it's the Extreme Oval? <laughs> Such a basic name, but you remember the other one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the, the track I always remember, I can, I can just describe it with one word, hills. <laughs> like, yep. holy shit, that, that that track alone stands so much further than the others that are still great for me. Um, but I just loved driving on that so much, and even the design elements of that track as well, it, it nailed that European feel perfectly, and I think that's one of the reasons I did love it. I think... Um, as far as a cohesive game goes, Rage Racer is also fantastic because you've got this very mature design. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but that's how I would explain it compared to like Ridge Racer and Ridge Racer Revolution. Mm-hmm. Paired with a, a fairly extensive career mode that um, had the introduction of credits for the first time as well, I believe. 
the introduction of credits. This is this is one of the reasons why I think Rage Racer deserves more credit uh, because it is really where the the world of Ridge Racer began. Uh, this is the game that introduced the different manufacturers. This is the game that introduced a system of credits and upgrading your cars, which is something that would appear and disappear. Uh, this is a game that really introduced, uh, you know, special cars. I mean, obviously we had the Angel and the Devil before, but now we have, um, you know, the Asaluto car that looks like a spaceship, and we have the other one that's, you know, you have these exotic... Uh, exotic cars tied to uh fictionalized made-up manufacturers and that is something that is is a core to the ridge racer series would become a core later on and so ridge racer uh deserves credit for that it also apparently is the game where the namco sound team uh that would be responsible for all of the the soundtracks of these games and, and namco's other titles in the future uh, it's where they apparently um, like officially formed. So so Namco had ah, right. yeah Namco had some sound sound designers and musicians worked on previous games obviously, but this is the one where they actually like kind of coalesced into a unit. You had guys like Hiroshi Akubo uh, uh, who would work on Ridge Racer Type Four and and some other people um, kind of reappear throughout the series. And Ridge Racer is kind of the nexus of all of that. Yes, yeah, I think so. Um... The soundtrack in this game is also one that doesn't get enough credit because it doesn't have maybe those singular iconic tracks that define each game because it's so consistent the whole way through the game as far as I'm concerned. It is very, you know, I don't want to say like ambient because I feel like saying something's ambient is very much like, oh, it's light, it's not very like, it doesn't really strike you in any way, it just kind of gives you a warm feeling. It, It is... Definitely, you know, it can be in your face when it wants to be. The the title track, Rage Racer, I love it. It's so just like balls to the wall, 90s, like, yeah, like the, the you know, voice samples Get and hyped. stuff like that. Get <laughs> hype. Um, but it goes from that into into songs like Silver Stream and uh, you, you do have some like techno callbacks. Nothing on the Gabber level of the original games, but you do have like the quickly loop samples like in Mathema Beat. Um, Lightning Luge is a good one. Uh, Stimulation Volcano Vehicle. Great songs in this game that I think all kind of blend together. Uh, and, and just like in Ridge Racer 4, you know, complement uh, the more industrial, gritty nature of the soundtrack, complements the more industrial, gritty nature of the visuals. And they work really well together, and uh, it feels more like a score than anything else. So, yeah, the soundtrack is. Honestly, you know, it yeah, it doesn't have some of the same highs as Ridge Racer 4's soundtrack, but overall, I think it's every bit as good, you know, as a complete package. I really do love this game soundtrack. Yeah, I regularly listen to the full thing, like, when, I'm st- when I was studying or whatever, when I was finishing my Masters, but, like, when I look at other Ridge Racer games, there's definitely four or five tracks that I usually pick out to listen, but when it comes to Ridge Racer, I'm just so content with listening to the whole thing. It's just a very great package and this game is something special and it wouldn't be a surprise maybe if somebody listening hasn't played it but I highly recommend sourcing a copy or using other methods cough cough if you have to honestly all the games in this list you know I wouldn't tell you if you haven't played them before up up until this point any game that we've discussed so far I wouldn't tell you to run out and go play if you haven't but if you haven't played Raid Racer I strongly recommend it um it and the interesting thing about it is that, like, it's obviously not my favorite, 
and a lot of that is because the physics honestly are not terribly different from the previous games. It's interesting because they do introduce kind of like a grip versus drift my, uh, mechanic with uh, changes you can make to like the um, the tire compound, which is a very interesting thing to think about in the Ridge Racer game, like you know putting grip tires on your car. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah. you know, there's that, and then also like some cars are like you would never want to drive. One of the game's greatest failings, I think, is that. You know, they create these different manufacturers because they they want you to recognize that, like, okay, Asoluto cars are best on the oval. You know, the Lizard cars of high acceleration, they're good at Overpass City. But as a consequence of that, you have cars that are so tuned into certain tracks that you could never drive, like, the Asoluto Fatalita at... Um, at Lakeside Gate, because it just can't handle those corners. It'd just be a terrible experience. So, unfortunately, a lot of the cars in this game can only really be properly experienced on a certain circuit, you know? (laughs) Which is, like, it it fits, like, kind of the game, the the type of game design you used to get in the 90s, but um, today, you know, you want to be able to drive your favorite car on any track. Uh, It's something that just wasn't possible in this game, really. No, I agree. Um, it's definitely an outdated design decision, but even worse than all, Rage Racer's probably one out of the whole list to this point to go back to, and I would highly recommend it for that. And I think that's why we actually scored it pretty similarly um, when we're putting together the scores, so it's a very worthy third place and one of the most underrated titles to boot. Yeah, and... The one thing I want to point out, you know, we talked about the manufacturers and stuff, but I love some of the car designs in this game uh, because a lot of them do kind of echo real real world cars, but they're just a little bit more interesting. You know, Lizard is kind of like the U.S. manufacturer, so you get these absurd, like, uh, imagine like um, Corvette C3 Stingray, but on steroids, you know, and that's one (laughs) of the cars they have. And then the, the Fatalita looks like this weird combination it looks like some kind of like a ferrari design it's in you know Asoluto is ridge racer stand-in for um ferrari or for an italian automaker but it's almost like what if you know the french designed a, a ferrari is just kind of the way that car looks to me and and the aja i can't remember which one it is but the one might be the Ariso, the one where when you level it up you have the exposed engine at the back just like a fiat 500 uh, yeah so cool some of the car designs in this game are absolutely awesome. They all have a lot of character. There isn't one in the there isn't one in my opinion in the entire roster that I would say they kind of phoned it in on. Like no, um, definitely not. Each one looks so distinctly unique, and oddly enough, I wouldn't be surprised if some people might not like that because the designs are so specific that you could easily see somebody not liking them. Um, but at the same time, it gives that it gives Rage Racer a bit more personality than the other titles because of that. And yeah, I would say the the car roster is fantastic. Summer One of the things down. I also, no, yeah. I was just gonna say real quick. Summer toned down. Like the car you get when you start the Ganade Esperanza. I mean, that's very clearly just like a BMW. But then you <laughs> yeah. get like the Absoluto Gepardo is um, that's a that's a Group C car. You know, that's a Porsche 962 essentially. So it's yeah. cool to see kind of the variations that they come up with for the game. Oh, definitely, without a doubt. One of the things I was just going to um, just as a side point, is that the cover art for this game is absolutely beautiful as oh, well. yes, yes. 
cover art's so amazing. understated. <laughs> cover art's amazing. Um, the I love the logo. The intro actually, you know, again, R4's intro gets all the attention, but I love the intro to this game. I love uh, the, you know, this is where they introduce Reiko Nagase, and I love the things that she'll just say to you when you're driving. Um, I love the stupid phrases that pop up over the screen, this, like, beautiful pre-rendered cinematic. It just <laughs> This yeah. game is... It's clear that, like, this was... I don't want to call the test run to R4, because that, that discredits what this game accomplished, and that should it should not be understated, but... You know, if if R four is the toward the force of style and substance, then you don't. Rage Racer is a very different interpretation, I, but I think was still instrumental to get to R four, and certain aspects of it are are just as beautiful. Yeah, I think Rage Racer was almost the the push that gave Namco enough confidence to go ahead with Type fours. Like utterly rambunctious style. Like yep. they, they were able to separate it from the Ridge Racer name and basically go all out. And they felt confident enough in the finished product that probably led to R four. Like that's the way I see it in my head. Anyway, they they pulled off that style so well. They felt confident in what they would go on to create. The funny thing, what <laughs> one more thing I'll add is, uh, doing my research, I came across a game fan review of the game, and it's Game Fan or Game Pro, one one or the other, but. It, it was hilarious because they have like a section in the on the you know page in the review that's just like tips and it's like you know pro tip when you're going around the corner always make sure that you're firmly on the on the gas or on the brake or else you'll power slide <laughs> and I just I laughed because like we all know that the point of Ridge Racer is the power slide but also rage unfortunately Rage Racer's handling is broken half the time so when you do fishtail you do feel like something's going completely wrong like <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic yeah. the pro tips literally trying to tell you how not to how break not to the game. game yeah <laughs> of course it's so easy to go back and criticize things and that's the thing i had to keep reminding myself is just like the opinions of reviewers and, and critics you know 20 years ago obviously aren't working with the same knowledge we have today but um yeah definitely funny. it is funny i i do it myself as well we've talked about it when we've been talking about the like, sega rally revolution and stuff as well like there was a weird expectancy period uh kind of 2009-2011 where every racing game had to have damage i'm not sure where it even originated from so like every single racing game review in that time period will mention a lack of damage or um, point out if a game does have damage. So times change. Another good example was like how video game advertising was so juvenile as well. Back oh, in yeah. the times of Rage Racer, it's incredible to see the stuff that they used to get away with, really. Oh, absolutely. I, I like all these games so much that you know it's a shame that Rage Racer kind of lets down. I think I think what really lets it down the most is its handling. Um, but 
Ridge Racer, you know, Namco, I think, really came into their own with these next two games. I think they finally produced an on-track product that was as good as all of the off-track style and design and, and environment and graphics and everything. They finally put together games that handled really well. Um, and I think, personally speaking, none better than number two on our list, which is Ridge Racer 5. What a game this is, Adam. Like, yeah. It's just such a great package that includes so many new uh, like modes and stuff for the franchise. And like, Put it this way, before Ridge Racer 5, I didn't think I would ever be interested in endurance events in a Ridge Racer game. But Ridge Racer 5 handles so well, you don't mind events that last an hour or so on these tracks as well. It's Oh, it's a great game. You did the 99 trial? Oh, yes. Yeah, I think I did too. <laughs> Uh, it's too it's too fun to turn down man <laughs> yep yeah so ridge racer 5 is this interesting you know i always saw this kind of this interesting point in the series where things got really complicated after r4 which obviously is at this point you can guess is our first number one game um and uh and rage racer you know those games kind of went off in a different direction so r4 was very much to me i always kind of looked at as like namco saying okay we're going to return ridge racer to its roots um, which is, you know, kind of a pun in of itself. But the funny thing about that is that they would spend the next 15 years constantly trying to bring Ridge Racer back to its roots. You know, every, <laughs> the PSP games, Ridge Racer 6, Ridge Racer 7, it was like they kind of decided, like, we're going to stop. You know, it's like they kind of lost the, yeah, the confidence to, to try some crazier, more artistic things. But that said, Ridge Racer 5 was, I to me, it's the last time that the series was was truly a AAA product because you think about it's launching the PS2, which at the time is like the, there there was a lot of unnecessary hype over the PS2's hardware, so much so that it killed Sega as a as a first party <laughs> console manufacturer. Yeah, um, you know the PS2 was not this thing that was made of like uh, the Tesseract and like you know this this alien product that would never be surpassed it was a normal game console but there was a lot of a lot of hype behind it and yep. i think ridge racer 5 was probably like the only game at launch that really looked great on the system it still looks good today you know it did definitely feel like a generational leap i think um it was it was such a clean looking game in every way really um the texture works phenomenal for the playstation 2 because um, I think that's what you were hinting at actually just there's a lot of games and that launched on the PlayStation 2 and it don't hold up very well at all but Ridge Racer 5 manages to maintain the look that it wanted to set out and not in the weird way that the PSP games have that really flat look but like Ridge Racer 5 maintains a style and substance that maybe the other games haven't aged so well with and I think that is down to the clean visual design overall uh, we say that about Ridge Racer a lot that it's the design that makes it tick and Ridge Racer 5 combines that with the on-track experience as well. Super clean, great production values, um, 60 frames a second. You, you do have like some jaggies and things, you know, the, I remember an early complaint of a lot of PS2 games was just the aliasing was always an issue, but I don't know, I think it actually fits this game. I, I think the kind of sharp, clean look really does it um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of good and the cars, you know, there are only really like four, five, five core car models, something like that. Five, I think, yeah. Yeah, five. 
yeah, there are only a couple core car models, but they're they're rendered with such um, precision. It's funny because I was always one of the things that sticks out to me when I think of like an early, um, uh, you know, early time that I was playing Ridge Racer Five shortly after it came out was that you could see into the interior just a little bit. You know, when you went into a tunnel, you could kind of see like the uh, the instrument cluster on the cars turn on or something like that, and you could see the lights turn on. And I always thought that was kind of cool. You know, it, it wasn't like you didn't have a cockpit view or anything like that, but it definitely leveraged the power of the PS2 in a way that games won't really take advantage of probably for another like year or two. Yeah, definitely. I think um, Ridge Racer 5 gave off the aura that they took the, the parts they'd learned from Ridge Racer Type 4, but then also Rage Racer as well with the general visual style. I don't know if you would agree with that, but it had that kind of more dark and edgy look to it but it still maintained an incredible amount of style a little bit it found to me you know it felt like rage racer was like ridge racer in the past and r4 was like ridge racer in the future and ridge racer 5 is very much like the ridge racer for modern day 2000 like it very much felt like ridge racer had arrived was in our time period and uh, a lot of that had to do with the very interesting decision that I, I know a lot of people who um, reviewed this game, uh, maybe some Ridge Racer fans who played it, really didn't like this, but I thought it was a really inspired decision that they decided to do the entirety of the game within Ridge City. Um, something that we were talking about in the last episode, when we were kids, we were always really interested in like, you know, here's one track and then there's a an extra road or something, an extra pathway here, you know, where does that go to? What it, yeah. it, it builds the world as we keep saying as we talk about Ridge Racer and to basically create a fully fleshed out Ridge City, you know, it's like, oh, I always wondered where the other side of the tunnel in the first corner of seven sixty five goes. And now you you find that out in this game and it's uh between that and some of the um the more interesting tracks where they're building entirely new sections of the city, like um, in like above the sea, for example, takes place mostly on like the uh, overpasses and things on top of like downtown Ridge City. And I, yeah, I, I had a strategy guide for Ridge Racer Five that kind of mapped out the entire city, so you could kind of oh, see all these so cool <laughs> all the tracks laid out over each other. Yeah, it was really cool, and I, I thought it was a really clever choice because again it. It builds the idea this is a purpose, purposefully made, like, this is a championship that could exist in the real world. Imagine, I mean, it really couldn't because of logistical reasons, but, like, imagine if, like, <laughs> an entire city just shut down for, like, a week for this, you know, like, runoff, like, uh, quick elimination, like, racing championship or something like that. On the it's just like the Monaco on crack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's really cool, and, uh... I think the the track design's great. Obviously, the idea to go with the city's very inspired, and the car design's great as well. You know, the same classic Ridge Racer um, kind of uh, ambition of let's design our own cars. Interestingly, to to fit in with the whole theme of like going back to the the basics of the franchise, a lot of these cars are inspired by the very first cars uh, in Ridge Racer. So the uh, Kamata Fiaro is you know, the FA racing car and, um, then the, uh, God, I always keep blanking on some of these car names, but the, the RT Solvlu from the early games is here as well. Um, 
and it's I think it's really cool when you take something that was made probably with like six polygons in nineteen ninety four and then you have a new you know, the PS two comes out, you have all this power at your disposal. It's like let's try and render that same car but with the detail that we have today. Yeah, it's a really cool idea and it helped flesh out that <laughs> like meta lore we love about Ridge Racer so much. Because the thing about Ridge City is like it's something that really couldn't happen today because as soon as you come up with that type of idea, developers think you automatically want an open world. But like that that's that's what kind of frustrates me because I feel as if the idea of a city made up of uh, various closed off racetracks is a lot more exciting than uh, just loads of intersections and random race starts. It, it's a bit of a shame really because the idea to host an entire game within one city that isn't open world is just so unique and we haven't really seen it elsewhere. Yeah, it's basically as soon as companies you know developers had the power to not do that anymore they stopped and i don't necessarily think it's better not to you know this allows them to create obviously a linear experience but a very um a very purposeful one as well it doesn't feel as meandering and uh yeah in terms of game design it's I, i think it is the kind of thing that you can get by with with a launch title but because you know it's a launch title and people are more willing to play a game that's a little more basic if they if it still unlocks the potential to to experience you know what this new console can do but you know i think people kind of knocked ridge racer 5 for the fact that it really didn't have a ton of content you know it had like a couple of tracks a couple of cars that was really it you got to the specials and uh you know once you were there that was pretty much the whole game yeah that's fair but it's also up until this point, there's quite a few games in the series that fall in a similar format. I mean, obviously Type 4 is a huge um, change to that whole setup, but a lot of the games to this point didn't really feature that much content. So 5 was just kind of continuing that lineage almost. <laughs> yeah, plus Ridge Racer 5 to me reminds me, um, not, to, not to discredit Namco, but one of the things that I always loved about Sega's Classic Racers, which is that it is the ultimate expression of it's about quality over quantity that's that's what it yes. is you know less is more <laughs> exactly so like ridge racer 5 um again another situation where r4 always gets the uh the attention and i wrote um i have this uh, series on gt planet called mirror mode where i go back and play some old racing games and um ridge racer 5 is one of my favorite ones i put together just an exploration of that game and as great as r4 is uh, Ridge Racer 5, I think with the added power of the PS2, the added computational ability, it's just so much more, for me anyway, um, gameplay-wise, physics-wise, handling-wise, it is a perfectly, you know, near-perfect driving experience in a way that R4 and a lot of our Ridge Racer games aren't. You know, it reminds me of Sega Rally in that... Yeah, there's not a lot of content there, but the handling is so perfect. Ridge Racer never really got the weight, you know, the, the idea of weight transfer down. It never really got the the feeling of of being able to toss a car back and forth and just kind of feel the weight shift around underneath you. I feel yeah. like Ridge Racer 5 was the, was the only time that they really got close to nailing that, and they did it in such a way that didn't break the Ridge Racer handling. You know, this is still an arcade game. This is still all about drifting. Granted, there are some cars that, you know, have, have a grip style, 
but it still feels like Ridge Racer, but it feels like Ridge Racer with a level of nuance and detail and precision with the DualShock controller that, that you never would get before or after in the series. Yep, you've summed it up perfectly. The, the driving experience is second to none as far as I'm concerned. as a nothing short of a Ridge Racing masterpiece in that sense. Yeah, it's just such a such a fun, thrilling game behind the wheel, and um, I really wish, you know, I think they played it safe with the visual design and stuff, as we'll talk about R4, we'll, we'll definitely elaborate on that, but I think they really went all out with the handling, and it, it paid dividends. So yeah, Ridge Racer 5, uh, it's funny, when I think about memories, when I when my family got PS2, um, you know, I'm pretty sure it was probably one of the first games we got because I really wanted to play it, but I don't remember playing it that much. For whatever reason, it didn't click with me. I think I was still... I think initially I was very upset that this wasn't just a, a sequel to R4 like what I expected. <laughs> yes. um, so it took me a very long time to go back and play this game, and I only played through it in earnest probably in like 2006, 2007. Wow. Uh, going back like 10 years is when I finally got around to seeing everything about this game, and it's... It, it was a really fun experience because unlike a lot of Ridge Racer titles, this one is one of the only ones I felt like it starts out it's very easy, it gets progressively more difficult, but it always feels fair. Because unlike a lot of our Ridge Racer games, the physics give you all the tools you need to succeed. You know, you, you don't feel shortchanged by the handling model of the game. So it's the type of thing where if you fail, you want to keep going back and trying again and again because you're convinced that there's there's something there you're missing. There's depth there that you can just eke out a little bit more speed. Um, so it is it is a game that invites you to keep coming back. And, and I had a great time playing it probably like 10 years ago at this point. Yeah, that's that's a great memory, really, because it highlights that even though you played it so much after the fact when it came out, like it still held up so well. In terms of my memory about Ridge Racer Five, I have this weird um, understanding of this game where I always see it as like one of the last purely um, focused arcade racers that prioritised quality over content. Did you read my like, story? Because I think I said that. <laughs> Really? Oh yeah. God, I've not read it in ages, man, but I mean, yep. I've subconsciously got it in my head. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I just remember playing it and thinking, like, this is almost Sega-esque in its mm. execution. And, like, there wasn't... When I played it, I always had fun. And I never, I never thought, oh, I wish it had X, Y, and Z, or, oh, this part's not too good. I would just turn it on and have a great time. And in terms of a specific memory related to that, it would be doing that endurance race because it's probably actually my first ever like endurance race I did in any racing game. It's yeah. definitely not the game you would imagine like could be comparable to some of the ones in Gran Turismo and stuff. But it it just that doing that and that feeling of accomplishment at the end for driving around the track for way much longer than you should. <laughs> It just kind of highlighted to me how much I enjoyed the game, and yeah, I think it's definitely one of Namco's greatest feats, and if not for what is number one, it would probably be one of the best games Namco's ever made. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> not to bring it down, but this was kind of the beginning of the end uh, for Ridge Racer, <laughs> for, for arcade racers, for a lot of things. Um, yeah, I look back on Ridge Racer 5 as this game that definitely lacked the stylistic 
the the artful ambition of Ridge Racer 4 and Rage Racer, but it is by far my my favorite. It's my favorite to actually play. It's my favorite Ridge Racer on the track, um, just because of all the things we've talked about, the handling model, um, just because of how rewarding it is to drive these cars. And uh, yeah, also pretty pretty good soundtrack. It is a weird soundtrack in as much as like it kind of goes all over the place. Like sometimes it's drum and bass. Sometimes it's a remix of an old Ridge Racer song. You know, it's you know it's funny. We started talking about Ridge Racer PSP, kind of how it's a best of in terms of the soundtrack, in terms of a lot of things. But this definitely feels the same way uh, with the songs. Yeah, definitely. It's a bit of a mishmash of everything you would know from Ridge Racer to this point. And um, the fact that we didn't explicitly mention the soundtrack to this point does highlight that although it's good, it's not one of the... It's not one of the reasons this game's so great, I would say. It complements the, the gameplay well. That's what I would say about the soundtrack. Yeah, I do love the intro song, Is um, which is... It was one of the first intros I remember that was entirely rendered, you know, in-engine. Uh, so that was pretty impressive at the time, but um, the intro song's not actually a Namco-produced song. It's uh, Fogbound by Boom Boom Satellites, which is this fantastic uh, electronic band from Japan and um, this duo and uh, that's a great song and oh well we should you know mention that uh, for those that don't know the intro song to this podcast is the car selects uh, song in uh, Ridge <laughs> 5 oh yeah so yeah I mean there you go there, there are some there are some great songs in the soundtrack but yeah it does it does lack a certain level of consistency but I love I love our theme our theme song it's like that's why I chose it because it's the uh, freaking great song it gets you really amped <laughs> yeah exactly it is. it's fantastic and the fact it's from Ridge Racer 5 kind of highlights our ethos almost that yep. if your arcade racer plays well enough you're damn sure we're probably obsessing over it <laughs> definitely true Ridge Racer 5's great, but you know what's better? Of course, R4 Ridge Racer Type 4. And there it is. Yeah. <laughs> we got there. <laughs> yep, we finally got there, uh, hour and 15 minutes into this podcast, but I don't mind because R4 is, you know, is as close to a perfect racing game as uh, I think I've ever played because, because it's not just a racing game. You know, I really look at... I, I feel like every time I talk about R4, I say this, but um, it's the only way I've, I've ever been able to put my feelings kind of into perspective about this game. You know, there are other arcade racers, there are simulators, there are all kinds of racing games, but this is the only cinematic racing game. This is the only, you know, this other game, other racers are content with being 
racing simulations in some aspect. This is a racing drama. It really, it feels like that, partially because of the story mode, partially because of, of the narrative aspect of the game, but just like, I've never played something where everything is so in tune, from the visuals to the soundtrack, what they're doing with the system technologically, the story, every aspect of this is so perfectly, you know, Namco just hit their targets every single time. It's a type of thing that I can't even imagine existing today. Yes, um, it's almost emotional talking about this game, I think, um, <laughs> because it just is something that it's lightning in a bottle, basically. It happened, Namco put this game together, and they perfectly put everything they'd learned to that point in a single game and wrapped it in one of the most striking packages that... The, the striking packages that... I, there's so many elements of the game that I was just thinking about on a near daily basis, just randomly. Like, if I see the colour yellow on an advertising board, I go, that's not right, yellow. Yep. <laughs> like, if it's, like, fonts that are trying to look edgy, it's like, that's not the right font. And it's like, you just think about Ridge Racer Type 4. It really is something special. And, yeah, th this game just... As far as being a cohesive racer, uh, there, there isn't much that touches it. There, there's the sheer breadth of scope as well of content in this game and how it's presented. It always makes you want to continue to play. It's it's the complete opposite of confusing game design. It's just, in, like, it's just so innovative for the time. And yeah, this is a fantastic game. Growing up, uh, you know, as someone who as a young kid trying to crystallize all these thoughts about, you know, oh, I, I like the way, you know, playing video games, I always like the way menus looked, and I learned that there was a <laughs> career where you could, you know, where you could be a graphic designer, and, you know, I, le I learned about different types of music, and I obviously loved cars as a kid. Um, Ridge Racer 4 is responsible for a lot of my passions. Uh, and it, it really speaks volumes that today, you know, it's still a game that inspires a lot of people. Anytime you hear anybody talking about the Ridge Racer they want to return, it's always R4. Um, there's a reason why it was chosen, despite the fact that the PlayStation Classic is an overpriced piece of trash. There's a reason why it's on the PlayStation Classic. <laughs> yeah. um, because this game really is... Uh, it is... Not just an artistic tour of the force for the console, but it's a technological one. This game, I firmly believe, is you know looks better than Gran Turismo or Gran Turismo Two. It is, you know, in terms of physics, probably not as much of an achievement, but in terms of the power that they were eking from the PS One, the system was four or five years old by the time this game came out. And honestly, if it weren't for how jagged certain things look. Uh, there's a certain artistry to the textures, to the colors. Everything was garage shaded, which is something that didn't happen back then. That yeah. if you just like upscale this game, you know, resolution wise, it's still beautiful. In the way that a lot of early 3D games or, you know, mid late 90s 3D games aren't, you know, haven't aged well, Ridge Racer 4 still looks fantastic to this day. Yeah, the lighting as well is doesn't get praised enough. You always hear about how good Gran Turismo's lighting is, but R4 just like has a lighting engine that perfectly complements the colour schemes that dominate the game and yeah, you could say that maybe in-game, when you're actually driving, it doesn't have as much flair as the menus and everything, but the fact that this is a PlayStation 1 game that in-motion can look this 
it's good to this day. When a lot of its other games have absolutely aged horribly, it just goes to show how much effort Namco put into every single element of the title. There's so much to talk about. You know, it's like I, I barely know where to begin, and we're, we've already begun. But um, I think you you touched upon just how interesting the single-player experience in this game is, and I think it's one of the core reasons of why it's so great, um, you know, why Ridge Racer 4 is so great. Aside from the fact that there's obviously, you know, the four different stories depending on the teams you pick, <clears throat> and aside from the world-building aspect of it, as Ridge Racer is always uh, a part of Ridge Racer, you know, that, that aspect, there was a very interesting decision to... Basically, every time you play the game... You, you know, you pick your manufacturer, you pick your team, and then you go through these eight rounds of, of the Real Racing Roots uh, 99 Championship. And yeah. depending on your performance in the series, because the first couple races you just need a podium finish, and the next few you need to finish second, and the last four you need to win every single race. Um, depending on your performance, you will be rewarded with cars that are either better or worse. If you just eek by in the first heat you will get a car that is basically what you were driving but souped up and if you do (laughs) really really well they will give you a new car um and there's all sorts of um uh, reasons you know context they give in the series in the in the game for why that is of you know oh other teams we we don't have a great budget you know because you were a pretty bad driver so we don't have a lot of prize money or whatever um which is cute but you know, a lot of people don't like that because it means that you have to go back and play the game and purposefully sandbag, essentially. You, like, finish, like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I, I, you know, you could very easily win every race in the first heat, uh, no matter what team you're driving for, but you might have to finish second or third and purposefully slow yourself down. It is kind of weird. It never bothered me much, though, because I was always eager to see what those cars were, you know, the cars I hadn't won yet. Um it's not a game that's painful to play over and over again. Like, that's the thing. You you want to very much. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's something that Namco would then... uh, The whole sandbagging element, sorry, something Namco would go on to explore again in one of the spin-offs, our racing evolution. So the idea that you have to finish in certain positions to unlock certain content, it did definitely add a bit of layering to the game. And if it's so fun to play anyway, which it is... I don't necessarily see that as a negative. I can see why somebody might get annoyed by it, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a good addition and it just adds a bit more complexity to the game. Yeah, and you know, just to kind of put the cap on everything we're saying about how on their game Namco was, uh, I was reading an interview in Edge and uh, the the main director of this game, uh, Matomi Katayama, was quoted as saying a couple interesting things, just one of which he was saying, you know, we we always put out our goals uh, in the design doc for whatever project we're working on. And uh, I can honestly say that like Ridge Racer 4 is the first time that we've actually achieved every single thing we've set out to achieve. <laughs> yeah. I mean, having played the result, that's not something you can disagree with. Um, interestingly, as far as the physics are concerned, he said that you can't... <laughs> it's interesting that, you know, Gran Turismo came out, Gran Turismo 1 came out probably the year before this game did. And, and, uh, He's in the in the interview. He basically says like you can't convincingly replicate the feeling of driving a car in a game. Like he just he just said you can't. He's like <laughs> wow. so. As a result of that, we just tried to make the best game we could rather than making the best simulator we could. Um, obviously, something I think a lot of people disagree with, but 
I like that they made the game. You know, that that's something that is never lost on me. I like that foremost, first and foremost, Ridge Racer 4 is a game. It is a narrative. It is a story. It is not a hot lapping simulator. And I know people want that, but for me, you know, I, I loved cars and games at around the same time, so I very much appreciate what they did with the narrative and uh, just making this the best game it could be. Yeah, because over time with technical advancements, obviously we, I can say this with the benefit of hindsight, the, the feeling of driving a car would get better over time, but the feeling of Ridge Racer Type 4 still feels timeless and Yep. That's something we talk about quite often with arcade racers. The reason that there's some that really stick in your mind is because the people making the game weren't thinking about um, the limitations of what they were working with, but ways of maximi- maximizing what they had. And that's that's a philosophy, I think, that's really, that really epitomizes Ridge Racer Type 4, where look at the hardware this is on, look at other offerings and compare it to what Ridge Racer Type 4 managed to accomplish. It's nothing short of incredible. Yeah, and I think Namco was definitely one of the the AAA developers for the PlayStation, obviously, at this time. They knew the hardware probably better than anyone except for Sony, or maybe as good as Sony. So, the fact that they were able to produce something like this at a time when you look back and you're just like, how in the world did they pull this off? But it's working within those restrictions, I think, that breeds the most uh, this level of creative output. And... uh, that's why I don't know, you know, if they could, if anyone could, or if they could ever produce something like this. I mean, that's probably more of a question of, of where Namco is in 2018, 2019. I, it's one of those things I look back and I think this is just the perfect storm of the influences at the time. Uh, the level of investment in an arcade racer that you don't see anymore. Uh, where Sony was, the money that was floating around, the, the people. Yeah. It's, it's just like, I, you know... Like you said, it's lightning in a bottle. I don't know that could ever exist again, but it is one of those few games that anytime I revisit it, the magic is still there, and it will never, I don't think it will ever completely go away. If it survived this long, I think it's fair to say that it will stand that test of time. And I mean, I know we had a quick dig at the PlayStation Classic, but the hardware does not do this game justice at all because there was real potential to open this game up to audiences who might have never played it before because even though it's been released on the kind of PlayStation stores throughout the years, there's so many other games to choose from that somebody who hasn't played it before might ignore it but if somebody's buying a PlayStation Classic it's one of the games front and centre there and uh, I hope anybody who has bought a PlayStation Classic and hasn't played the game gets the chance to experience it because it it really is something that we probably won't see again because it was just a perfect storm of Namco being so great at developing on the PlayStation 1 and um, the kind of hot streak they were on with the Ridge Racer franchise to that point. It's It really is something special and unfortunately when you compare everything this done and all our compliments to it compared to the more recent titles it's it's incredible to think we're even talking about the same series and that actually brings up a good point uh in so much as we should just touch on how to play this game today um if you are one of the lucky four people in the world that bought playstation vita and is still held on to it i would (laughs) i would highly recommend buying the playstation one classic version of the game that's on the playstation network and uh yeah 
I'm playing on the Vita because it looks fantastic on the Vita. The, the Vita's screen is just low resolution enough to the point where it doesn't expose R4's flaws, but the OLED aspect of it just makes those colors pop, and it is a very colorful game when it wants to be. Um, so that's a great way to play the game in a handheld you know, context. Um, if you have a PS3, you can get it via PS1 Classics. Hopefully it's still for sale. Um, that's a good way to play it, uh, aside from obviously getting the disc. Either of those are good options. I definitely would not... I mean, if you have a PlayStation 1 Classic, just know that you can play the game that way, but it is a really poor emulation job mm. where yes. um, the refresh rate's just off and the controls are laggy and it does... You know, it is Ridge Racer 4, but it just doesn't play with the smoothness that that game really thrives on. Yeah, it doesn't do it justice, really. Um by the sounds of it, I mean, you've had hands-on experience, so you'll know for sure, but the general consensus seems to be that it's not the best way to experience the game. It's really not the best way to experience any of the games that are on that system. <laughs> yeah. so, um, at, you know, today I read, uh, we're recording this right after Christmas, and, and today I read that uh, this, the PS1 Classic, at least in the US, has basically been discounted everywhere from $100 to 60 at like every major retailer. No one's buying the thing, so... Wow. Yeah, that's that's, that's... one way to do it. <laughs> and the thing is, as well, like it just goes to show you that um, it was because the effort wasn't consistent rather than no effort at all, because from what I understand, the hardware is actually very well made uh, in terms of the controller and stuff. In terms of build quality, it's all there for the PlayStation Classic, but I think they totally borked on the software... And obviously the decision to uh, to get some of those PAL versions of games instead of the NTSC definitely did not help. Ridge Racer 4 actually is not affected by that problem, but it still runs terribly, which is really weird. That's almost worse than if it yeah. was just the, the wrong version of the game. <laughs> yeah. Very, very strange. But, uh, yeah. It's really hard to say something about Ridge Racer 4 that hasn't been said before. Um We'll go into uh, our memories in a minute, but the one thing I wanted to call attention to real quick is um, there is a musician by the name of uh, Andrew L. Moore who has come out with basically his uh, kind of like an album with songs inspired by the soundtrack uh, and pretty much inspired by everything from Ridge Racer Type 4. Uh, It's called uh, Ridge Racing Roots uh, 2019, and it's really good. Um, it's Real Racing Roots 2019, sorry. It's an original work, but it pays tribute to, to R4. So if you are interested in R4, if you you know love R4 as much as we do, highly recommend you go out and, uh, and, and go pick up that album or listen to it. Uh, I believe it's on Spotify. And we'll probably, at the end of the show, we will put a song in. Uh, we'll toss a song in, so we'll close out the show with one of those tracks. But that's really good. And... Yeah, just the soundtrack in general. This game is fantastic. I mean, it's it's definitely like my favorite uh, of any game I've ever played. <laughs> yeah. That's high praise, man. Yeah, well, we and talked about on a previous episode, didn't we? A little bit. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, that's the thing about Ridge Racer Type Four being our champion. People might feel as if we're not talking 
talking about it in as much detail as explaining why the others are good, but the problem is, when you're discussing arcade racers, it's hard not to think about Ridge Racer Type 4. We've probably mentioned it a good few times in previous episodes and explained briefly why we love it, so this, this almost feels like a nice way to tie up the first kind of full year, 2018, uh, moving into 2019 of podcasts, because Ridge Racer Type 4 is one of the reasons... We're, we're recording this right now. It's one of the most definitive arcade racers you could ask for. It really is something that Namco probably didn't think they'd be able to create until it happened. It's just, it's a fantastic piece of work. I think for me, the memory uh, that stands out, because we, again, it's just like, I don't even know how to talk about this game because it's so a part of, of who I am. But like, uh, we haven't really touched on the story that much, but I remember when I was a kid, um, cause you know, obviously you have the four different teams and they're run by different, uh, kind of team principals. And, and as the driver who joins these teams, you get to know the team principals very well. And, uh, just playing through the different, uh, stories and the different narratives and not just that. And, and, you know, they're not like amazing jaw-dropping oscar worthy like oh my god the twist it's not like that but (laughs) there are definitely moments where you're playing where it's just amazing that they can convey so much emotion and kind of kind of get an emotion across to you in just like a small jpeg of a character design and (laughs) and a block of text yeah definitely Um, we've talked before about how later games would have little bits of lore here and there that created it felt like a real living world almost of Ridge Racer but this game actually um, made that a focus by having dedicated storylines and they are enjoyable and there isn't a a stupid gang heist or revenge tale that would make you cringe in sight so (laughs) that's one of the reasons I it's good because I mean you can blame Need for Speed for that basically if there was ever going to be a story associated with a racing game it would usually fall into the Fast and Furious camp but what you get from Ridge Racer Type 4 is arguably the type of thing I'd love to see more of in racing games that try and do this type of thing, just isolated stories that are actually interesting to, to be a part of, rather than some grandiose affair. Our racing evolution would try and do the exact same thing, but failed. Like, I didn't really care much with for more story resources. In that game. With more resources, yeah, with like... Um, you know, the ability to do CG rendered cutscenes for every single big moment in the story and like it wasn't nearly as moving as just like just the dialogue between you and your boss. That's that's all the story is in this game, but it it still works uh really well. Yeah, it's definitely better than our racing in, in that sense. And I think I can highlight that by saying that of all the cutscenes, the thing I remember most is in the very kind of ultimate cutscene in our racing, there's the Michelin man just kind of walks past in the background and I don't know why. It's just one of those <laughs> things I remember, just this like Michelin man mascot. Well the, the kind of story's coming to an epilogue and I was just like, Wait, what happened? <laughs> just, I, you know. I remember the cutscene where you're watching uh Reina Hayami take a shower for like 30 seconds and even oh God. even as like even as like a a 11 year old or 12 year old or whatever hormones ablaze I'm still watching that and thinking like well, this doesn't need to be here like why are we doing this it, it really is a weird trend in that era to be honest it's not necessary it adds oh. absolutely nothing but you know that's uh it's- they never did it's that to Reiko Nagase, you know, which is no, kind of interesting. No, they didn't. 
They always treat her with respect. <laughs> I mean, don't you know, um, in the early 2000s to mid-2000s, the only times that um, women would reflect is apparently when they're naked in the shower, or so yeah. media would have us believe. So give Namco a pass on that one. It was clearly a trend that was totally accurate and not some weird, perverted uh, excuse to include cutscenes like our racing, our racing evolution is. Look back for that episode, which will probably never happen. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's a it's a good game. It's just a very weird game, and uh, R four is better in every conceivable aspect. So yeah, let's um, not even compare them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what, what's what's your outstanding memory from R four? So my uh, best memory with R four really was um, how pretty much the unexpected interest I had in the storylines I mean the most obvious one is to do with the the race chief whose son dies because even when you're young you kind of appreciate that dramatic element and it almost when when you're young and you're playing games you're always thinking of your own internal lore that you're making up I don't know Mm -hmm. if that was just me but I used to piece together a world in my head so like when Ridge Racer Type 4 explicitly calls out that part it's very it's very, it's very um, satisfying to see, basically, because whenever I used to play racing games, I would always imagine up these characters and stuff, write short bios in a journal, and <laughs> like when I was playing Gran Turismo, I would have certain nice. drivers and stuff. That's awesome. And like, Ridge Racer Type 4 did that for me, so that was the very first exactly, kind of racing yeah. game where I didn't have to make up my own kind of... Um, imaginative element to the game so i'd say that storyline in particular it might be a bit cliched to say that's my memory but it it definitely was one of the things i always remember about this game just playing through that and appreciating the effort they'd went to much with every other element of the game as well i think it definitely says something that you know that that was a lasting memory for both of us is this is a game that's so um hits its mark in every conceivable aspect but the story is is what we really remember and I love that right before you you go out to the last race, and I really I'm not gonna spoil it, but um, right before you go out to the last race when you're racing for uh, for that that particular crew chief, um, he just says something to you, and it's just like a very simple thing, but it's just like it really it really hits home, just like and it's so cliched, you know. Oh, there's there was a death. Uh, you know, this this guy yeah. working as a race. <laughs> as a crew chief for a while, as a team principal, he lost his son or whatever, but it's a very cliched story, and a lot of these stories are very cliched, but they they just work. You know, it's just, it's that intangible thing that exists between the visual style, the soundtrack, the, the actual words of the narrative that you're reading that's going by, and just like this thing that you really can't put your finger on, but it just, it hits you. Yeah. That's what I was going to say, basically. That is Ridge Racer Type 4. Yeah. And that is that is what we always wanted Ridge Racer to be. And uh hope that it could be again, but probably not. But, I, I, you know, I'm kind of surprised uh, that there hasn't been some kind of indie game trying to do this. You know, trying to pick up uh, from where R4 left off. Because uh, it seems like the perfect... The perfect... Uh, basically like a foundation for an indie game because you know you're seeing a lot of great uh titles that don't necessarily have you know fantastic budgets but that doesn't prevent you from writing a a really killer story and i just don't know why that doesn't exist (laughs) 
Somebody should do that. <laughs> Somebody with more talent than me. I mean, the thing is about racing indie games in general, they, they more often than not seem to be reaching at fate of never really releasing or not quite reaching the expectations that, that weren't set by the fans, but the actual developers themselves. And yeah, you could probably count on one hand the amount of good racing indie games we've actually had. And it's one of the reasons, funnily enough, just to go slightly off topic, I've been meaning to try out Horizon Chase Turbo because I've heard good things. Yeah, Horizon Chase Turbo uh, is one of those few examples of like a successful uh, racing indie. And I, I think as far as something like R4, though, I, I've never played Golf Story, but the idea of a golf game with a story just makes me think that why can't a racing game do that too? <laughs> like, if, if people are making stuff like that, then somebody should really try to make... Uh, make that R4 spiritual successor, you know? It doesn't have to... Not asking for the soundtrack, not asking for kind of uh, coalescence of all these great elements in one thing, but just just to hit those story notes would be something that I think the genre could really use. One like golf story would be hilarious as well, because that game's just so sarcastic in its execution that I can just imagine the type of stuff you could do for a racing game version of that. Well, I guess, I guess Golf Story is the goofy version of that, then. But, which I'd also be game for, too, if somebody wants to make a sarcastic version of R4. That sounds actually pretty funny. It does sound like <laughs> Ridge Racer abridged. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Alright, that's our Ridge Racer list. And uh, and this was a long show, but I think, it, I think there was no other way it could go. Yeah, I think... Um... When you look at the, the format we've been following in most of the podcasts, we could easily spend about half each of these games in the entire list. So, I'd say we've done pretty well, really, to cut it down <laughs> to episodes. <laughs> two episodes, right. Yeah, so, that basically that basically ends it. Um, unless you, you have any, any other thoughts, but uh, I think we've covered the Ridge Racer 4 pretty well. Yeah, I think we've tied it up neatly, to be honest. We've said pretty much all we can about the game, and it's surely up to you, the listeners, now to either replay it again, if you've already played it, There's or no shame um, doing experience that. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We give you permission. Yes. You can come off V-Rally 4 for now. <laughs> 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 Gotta get that V-Rally mention in there. Hell um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, thanks everyone so much for listening. Um, thanks for... Uh, a great 2018 you know it's when when the show set out we kind of hoped to be able to hit a schedule but we're, we're both uh, very busy so you know the goal is for more episodes in 2019 but that said uh, I like the little audience that we've uh, grown and you know gotten some great feedback about the show and we always appreciate any feedback anyone wants to send our way uh, good or bad we love hearing from people that you know enjoy the same things that we do it's the reason why we do the show the start up a conversation outside to indulge our own passions to talk about rage racer and um yeah just just thank you so much uh have a happy new year yeah yeah that that sums it up well i was actually going to say to anyone for the podcast like we really do appreciate when we get comments just because we know people are listening because that does that sounds good so yeah. <laughs> if you think the podcast is good so feel free to share it um, whenever you think would be necessary the amount of people in the past two months maybe not too many people numbers wise but the amount of people who've said like 
oh my god, I love Ridge Racer, I can't believe I didn't know about this. Like, there, there's going to be at least 10 other people for every one of you who maybe want something similar to this. So, believe believe us, we love doing this podcast, we really do. So seeing feedback when people like it just also helps us push forward and make more episodes because um, we really enjoy talking about racing games and the, the more people that listen, the, the more we'll feel that we're doing something worthwhile as well. Yeah, and it seems like uh, the perfect time to mention that. <laughs> I don't think we've actually done this since I made the Twitter, but uh, Time Extend has a dedicated Twitter now. Uh, it's Time underscore Extend, and um, that's usually where we've been posting these episodes. And you know, when I when I like to, sometimes I'll post little like random nuggets about racing games and things like that. Uh, you can reach us individually. Uh, me, Adam. I am at Pioneer Spine. Uh, Brendan, you changed your name recently. <laughs> yeah, I, did. I lost a bit. I had to change my name. I was wondering uh, what that was. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my current at is Ed Balls with four S Balls. So, uh, that's actually a pretty funny story. We could recap in another podcast about why I changed my name to that. But um, on the, the case of the official Twitter account, we'll also... I occasionally run some giveaways and stuff on there as well. Nothing big. We're not giving away any Lamborghinis or stuff, but we we do sometimes give away some old Dreamcast games and that type of thing. So, yeah, you don't want to miss those when we do it. You might cop yourself a copy of uh, the infamous Sega GT or something. <laughs> yeah, anything we want to get rid of. Though that said, uh, <laughs> yeah. try, trying to line up a, a pretty good giveaway, um, maybe in time for a next episode early next year. So stay tuned for that. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's just uh, anybody want a free copy of Sega GT? You're, I think you, I think you have like a, I think you have like a small warehouse of Tokyo Extreme Racer copies, right? Tokyo oh Highway god, Bell? yeah, yeah, that was. Um, <laughs> most people get into trading stock, I get into trading copies of Tokyo <laughs> Extreme Racer. <laughs> All right, thank you everyone so much, uh, and we will see you again next year. Yep, thanks everyone. Have a great 20 into 2018.